Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Local Homeschoolers podcast, where you come for local resources and encouragement. I am your host, Autumn Frisbee. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and thanks for listening in today. I am excited to have back with us Cheryl Trasco to the podcast. For those of you who don't know who Cheryl Trasco is, she is just a wealth of information and encouragement for local homeschoolers, and she's the current director of Palm Beach County Homeschoolers, which is a support group for local homeschoolers in our county. I was really thrilled that she agreed to come on our podcast today to do a question and answer episode. We've pulled together a few of the top homeschool questions circling around on our Facebook group. So let's go ahead and get started answering some of those questions for our listeners. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So the first topic um, that comes up a lot is evaluations. So the first question is, can the teacher that does the evaluation be a K-12 art teacher? So Florida law requires that the evaluation be done by somebody who has current regular Florida certification. So regular um, is a not a category in the law, but it means professional level. Anybody who has professional level teacher certification in some subject between K through 12 can do evaluations and an art teacher can have professional level. That's really the only way to judge. If they've got professional level, they're good. Okay, perfect. Um, The next question is, my kids finished out the year using an online program. It provides a final report card with grades for each course taken. Do they still need a formal evaluation? So if you sent in a letter of intent um, telling the school district you were taking over your child's education, you must turn in an evaluation of some kind. Um, The fifth option in Florida law allows for any other method of evaluation that the parent and school district agree on. And our school district has said that they will accept report cards from accredited school programs. So if the um, program that was used is an accredited program, then our district will accept a copy of the report card as the evaluation. And that includes um, classes through FLVS. Okay, great. All right, next question. My daughter's evaluation is due in September, but I was hoping to submit it earlier since she completed a year's curriculum already. Do I have to wait until September or can I submit it now? So first, um, evaluation deadlines are not based on when curricula is finished. Um, you're never required to finish any curriculum, uh, and you can finish mid-year and move on to new curriculum without having to have an evaluation. It's based on the calendar year. It used to be that you could turn in an evaluation months early, um, and the district would accept it just fine. But in 2018, the law was tweaked somewhat to add a requirement that anybody sending in a letter of termination needed to do an evaluation within 30 days of the letter of termination. And this has affected everybody's deadlines because districts now are reluctant to accept evaluations that are more than four to six weeks. They'll give a little leeway, 
they don't want to accept them more than six weeks early because then they end up fighting people who um, decide to turn in a letter of termination some weeks later and they have to say, oh, you need a second evaluation and they they just don't want that fight. So mm-hmm. they are pretty strict these days about not accepting more than four to six weeks early. You can try to fight them on it because there's no too early um, deadline stated in law, but you're going to have a fight on your hands. So I would recommend just move on if you want in the curricula, but evaluation, I wouldn't do more than six weeks in advance. Okay. That's great. Okay. Next question. How do you turn in our homeschool evaluations for the year? Also, how do we let the homeschool office know if we are discontinuing homeschooling and we'll be going back to brick and mortar? So it kind of ties in with the last question we had. Right. It does. Yes. So typically you turn in the evaluations by sending them to the home education office and you you can do it a few different ways, but this way, this year, the best way is to email it to them. Um, their email address is homeed at palmbeachschools.org. So that's P A L, excuse me, H O M E E D for homeed at palmbeachschools.org. And the reason is they're still working from home, last I heard. So if you try to send it, um, by fax, the fax machine's in the office and they're not there. If you try mm-hmm. to mail it, they're not there. Um, so that's the best way to do it. Um, as for um, letting them know that you're discontinuing homeschooling, you need to send in what's called a letter of termination, which is very similar to the letter of intent. And it basically just identifies the child, gives their name, date of birth, parent name, uh, address gives the parents signature and says somewhere in it that we're done homeschooling. Um, once you do that, um, that tells them officially that you're done and you have to have an evaluation within 30 days of that. So it could be sent in with an evaluation or you can send in one of them and then the other, as long as they're not more than 30 days apart. Okay, great. Thank you. The next question is, this is kind of interesting. My principal is saying that my daughter needs um, to take the FSA. I told the principal no, um, that the homeschool kids were not required and that parents can opt out anyways. She stated this is not true. Am I wrong? What do I need to do? So home education um, students, there are five options for evaluations. The FSA is one of those options. However, it's one of five that the parent gets to pick from. The school and school district do not get to dictate what kind of evaluation is done. Even if your child is then going to a public school, they have to deal with them the same way they would if a child came from a private school or from out of state, because neither of those would take the FSA either. Um, In fact, there is a Uh, rule called the Uniform Transfer of Credit Rule that says that um, this is particularly applicable to high school students, but it says that schools must accept whatever documentation a parent gives listing um, classes taken. So you can type up a report card or a transcript 
and the school does the school has to accept it and give the student credit for those classes as long as the student passes the first uh, grading period in their school but they cannot require the fsa of the student okay great and this moves into the next topic which is credits and report cards um mm -hmm. The first question is, so my daughter has half of her high school credits, but we just feel like she needs to go back to school. Um, will school accept her credits or does she have to retake those courses again, especially math because she has all four credits now and English, she only needs one more. So again, that uniform transfer of credit rule would apply. Um, the, the best thing to do is to type up a transcript and in the transcript, you would list all the courses that she has credit for. The school has to accept it as long as she passes the first grading period in their school. Now, there are some slight um, caveats to that. Um, certain subjects, uh, in particular, Algebra 1, Geometry, and Biology, are required by state law to have um, a passing EOC score on record in order to graduate, but that won't stop them from getting in. So if your um, transcript shows that your, your child took Algebra 1, they're required to accept that, but then at some point your child will have to take the EOC for that in order to uh, fulfill all the graduation requirements. Okay, great. Um, and the second question on this topic is, so my son signed up for tackle football and they are asking for a copy of his report card. Suggestions, he's in third grade and his evaluation isn't due until September. So under the Craig Dickinson Act, um, which is part of Florida law, an evaluation can be used as um, the proof of meeting the grade requirements. So you can show them um, whatever the last evaluation was, and that should meet it. But what most parents do is they just type up a report card. There are templates you can find online, um, and you can just go and type one up. Most of us don't keep grades um, because we're not interested in what percentage or what letter we're interested in are they learning. Um, but you can go and just kind of wing it and say, hmm, yeah, I think he's been learning everything I asked him to in this subject. I'm going to give him an A. That one, it's um, a little more struggle. We'll give him a C. Uh, it, it can be as simple as that. And that can work not only for sports, but that can work for getting into college too. Okay, great. Um, this next topic is about re-entering public school. So we may have covered a little bit of this, but mm -hmm. um, she says that she has a high schooler who's behind in credits. She's homeschooled, she's done online and in person, and she also has the McKay scholarship. So um, there's a private option for her, but she just wants help finding out what the best options are for if her um, child was to re-enter public school, being behind in credits, I guess. So if you're behind in credits, I personally would say that Home education is your best option because you can you can have your child cover different subjects using whatever methods and materials work best for your child. There are several different ways to determine credits. So one way is to count up hours of study on a subject. So if your child spends 
60 hours on, say, English, um, that's a half credit. 120 hours would be a full credit. That's one way of determining it. But that's not the only option. Um, another way is to look at, uh, have we covered most of a book that was designed for this subject? So if we um, cover most of a high school English book that was meant to be covered in one year, if we've covered like two-thirds to three-fourths, that's good enough to count as a high school credit. And the reason it's not all of the book, schools never finish their books. Um, another option, though, is if your child has already mastered a subject, you think, oh, yeah, my child, maybe my child has played um, guitar a lot and really knows it. There's testing that you could do. Um, CLEP test, um, spelled C-L-E-P, is one option. Um, AP exams are another option. You can do some kind of test, and since you're in charge, you can pick what that test would be, um, but some kind of test to show proficiency in that subject, and you can just say, okay, they passed this test, so therefore I give them credit. So that's an option. Um, or you could go look for some curricula that's really streamlined and just let's hit the high points of this and zoom through it. Um, so you can you can find ways to do it that would not take as much time as it would in a public school classroom. And you can make it fit your child's strengths or weaknesses. Uh, so that's the best way, mm. you know, because you can make it work for your child. That's, that's great. Fine. Thank you. And this next one is just about, um, I guess this the person may have decided that they want to put their child back in public school next year, but mm -hmm. for this year, what do they need to do to make sure that their child can re-enter public school um, next year? You know, is there anything they need to do special? So you just need to follow home education law. Um, the only time when there's something special that might be required is if your child is homeschooling for kindergarten. Um, under homeschooling, under the home education law, well, under Florida law in general, your child does not have to be registered in any educational program until the school year in which the child turns six, if they turn six in the first half of the year, by February 1st. So a lot of kids who are kindergarten age aren't old enough to be required to be in any educational programs. You don't have to send in a letter of intent or or sign up with an umbrella school or whatever. Um, but if you're thinking that you might go put your child in first grade, even though kindergarten is not required under Florida law, I have not heard of a single principal who will accept someone in first grade without proof of kindergarten. So go ahead and send in a letter of intent or register with an umbrella school for kindergarten if you're thinking you'll put them in first grade. But there are additional things that principals want to see um, in order to put a child in first grade because they want to make sure that the child is behaviorally um, and socially and emotionally ready for first grade um, since it's so academic these days, even in kindergarten. So if you can show proof that your child was in some kind of 
drop off classes at some point. It could have been for VPK or it could be some kind of a other program, maybe meant for homeschoolers or something. Um, of course, that that's a little harder to do this year with um, COVID and such. And so mm -hmm. principals might make some exceptions. But basically what they want to see is they want proof that your child knows how to sit at a desk for long periods of time, knows to raise their hand, to ask permission to get up or go to the bathroom, knows, um, you know, general classroom rules, and also won't break down in uh, tears melting down because they're missing home or they're missing mommy or whatever. Um, and that's a bigger problem It's than a lot of people realize. If a child comes into first yeah. grade and they're melting down a lot, it disrupts the whole class. Um, so for that, you know, if you're in child's that age and you're thinking about going to school um, in the future for first grade, I would work on making sure you find a drop-off class at some point that the child can be in without a parent present um, and just get some kind of documentation showing it. For any other grade level, as long as you follow Florida law, you're good. Towards the end, you know, type up a report card or a transcript. That will simplify the process. And it's not that they will um, use that to determine grade level placement. It's that they'll use it to de determine placement within that grade because they normally just place children based on their age and the expected grade level for that age. Um, which might be good and it might not be good. If your child's working at a grade level two years ahead of um, their expected age, they're not going to care. They're going to put them in at their grade level. Same if they're working behind. They're not going to care. They're going to put them in at the level expected for their age. But the report card or transcript that you type up is going to help them decide should this child um, be in remedial classes, do they need um, an intensive math or intensive reading class? Or should we look at advanced classes? So when you type up the report card or transcript, you want to think about, does my child struggle in a particular academic area? Then I might want to give them a D in that area just to give the school a heads up that Hey, this, they might need help here. If you want to give all A pluses, then the school might be thinking, hmm, maybe we need to look into putting in an advanced class. If you give a mix of grades, they'll figure your child's just fine, doesn't need um, extra assistance one way or the other. Uh, but that's, that's the only thing different that you would need to do, mm -hmm. um, except for high school. If, if you're thinking about going into high school after doing some high school at home, you might want to think about taking those EOC exams at a school while the student is enrolled in those classes. So you might want to contact the school, you know, before the end of each semester and say, my child's doing biology. Can I have her or him take the biology EOC when the time comes? Um, you don't have okay. to do that, but you might consider it. That's really great advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, maybe two more questions here. So 
As far as taking advantage of public school offerings as a homeschooler, does anyone know how to sign up a homeschooler for a class or two at a public school? For high schoolers, what kind of things aside from sports and band can they do? So the Craig Dickinson Act gives home education students access to public school programs, which does include sports and band, but it's any extracurricular activity. So it could be things like um, a school's robotics club or their Spanish club or, you know, whatever they've got going on. Um, if there is a class associated with that extracurricular activity, so if you're signing your child up for marching band after school, um, but there's a band class that goes with that, then you have the right to have your child enrolled in just that class. Um, currently, there's no law pro or con, no, none on either side as far as allowing part-time enrollment um, otherwise, which means um, it, it's a possibility, but it's not a guarantee. So you might be able to go to a school and say, hey, I'd like to sign my child up for whatever class, maybe chemistry or Spanish or something. Um, and if the district has a policy allowing it, which our district must, because I know people who've done this at our mm -hmm. district, um, and the school is willing to do it, so they've got to be willing uh, and have space and such, mm -hmm. then it's something that can happen. I know that Brenda Dickinson is working um, at the legislative level up in Tallahassee. She is trying to make it so that in the future, homeschoolers will have access to an a la carte sort of a thing at schools where they can sign up for just one or two classes if they want. Um, and that would be at any level. So not only high school, but middle or elementary school. However, that's not an accomplished thing yet. Okay, great. And then one last question deals with IEP, which is an individual education plan. Um, has anyone ever pursued an IEP in public, in, sorry, in Palm Beach County schools for your homeschooled student? And do they offer this option? I know people who have gotten IEPs for their homeschooled student. Um, I think it is easier to do if your child is not yet school age, and then the school district will do it under the assumption that you're going to enroll the child when they are school age. Mm -hmm. um, schools are required to identify students with special needs. So you can definitely get an evaluation done by the school to determine if your child um, qualifies for an IEP. Um, they're not necessarily required to do an IEP, but you can probably push for that because I know people who've gotten them. Um, and it used to be that our schools would provide services for homeschoolers because I knew people who would send their kids to school um, just for speech therapy or some other kind of um, intervention. However, in recent years, um, they're no longer required to do that. And when budgets became tight, schools have 
um, stopped doing that unless the student actually enrolls in the school. So you mm. try for it, but you can't, you're not guaranteed the right to it. Right. And then and the advantage of an IEP is to get funding. You can get outside scholarships like McKay. Right. And um, well, not McKay, but Gardner. And it, it's, not actually only, both. it's not only that, but it's also if you are trying to sign your child up, say, for classes, say, through FLVS, if your child has an IEP, it will change um, their requirements as to how fast your child has to move through assignments and such. Mm. I'd be fairly certain, though, uh, you know, mm. I haven't read anything, so this is just a, a guess on my part, but I would be fairly certain that if you were trying to sign your child up for FLVS, since that's a public school program, mm -hmm. that you could use that to push the schools to um, allow you to have an IEP done. Okay. Well, that's great. Um, I think that's all we have time for today for our question and answer episode. I would love to have you back on to do episode number two and answer some other questions as we get closer to school beginning. Right. I'm sure lots of interesting things will come about for that. So. Right. Sure. Be all right. Happy. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you have a listener question that you would like us to answer, please reach out to us at localhomeschoolers.com. Tune in next week to hear our latest episode.